My name is Peter Dunn from the University of Warwick's Communications Office, and I'm joined today by University of Warwick virologist Professor Nigel Dimmock, who has a new discovery called a protecting virus, which he believes will be a major weapon uh, in our battles against influenza. Um, Professor Dimmock, influenza is um, increasingly in the news. Uh, we just talk about influenza academics sort of wiped out lots of people in the uh, just after World War One. Uh, of course, there's now a lot of talk about the uh, H5N1 and what that could do if that met a human virus and what that could do to the human race. So influenza is is much is is a thing which is frightening us all for uh, the first time in a long time. But I'm also hearing at the same time that there are lots of new vaccines out there, lots of vaccines that protect against influenza itself. Or there's even vaccines now against H5N1, that great frightening bugbear. What makes your protecting virus better than all of these new vaccines that we're currently hearing about? Oh, thanks, Peter. Uh, you covered a lot of ground, so I think we probably better uh, back up a bit. And just to say, for, for those who may not be aware of it, there are two two major uh, variations on the influenza theme. There are the, the pandemics. These are the very occasional outbreaks which, are, which come out of nowhere to which nobody has any immunity and cause great, uh, a great number of deaths and a huge amount of sickness. And these are the, are the, there have only been three in uh, uh, recorded scientific history and they occurred, as Peter said, in 1918. That was by far the worst. Uh, and uh, it's estimated that something like 50, people, 50, 50 million people died in approximately one year. Uh, and that is far more than have died from the HIV uh, epidemic, which has been going on for something like uh, 25 years. So it's, it was a huge disaster. And that's, the, the, that's what drives the main worry with influenza. But maybe, maybe the pandemics, there have been two other pandemics, one in 1957, the so-called Asian flu, one in 1968, the Hong Kong flu. Uh, they were similar in that, that uh, people had no immunity, but they caused much less mortality. When I say less, it's estimated that around about uh, one million people died in about 12 months of the first 12 months of, of those viruses, which is still a huge disaster, although nothing like as great as the other one. We have no idea when the next pandemic will be, and we have no idea how virulent, how devastating it will be, but they're all devastating. So that's the, they are the, the, the disaster scenarios. But those viruses, once they... Uh, once they become established, uh, are with us for until the next pandemic occurs. And those viruses evolve uh, quite quickly, so that in about four years' time, the immunity that, that had you survived the virus the, the first time round, the immunity that you would have generated would, would be redundant. It wouldn't protect you against the, the virus four years on. So there is this seasonal flu, as it's called, and that causes 
a, uh, again a huge number of deaths, although here mainly in the uh, in the people who have some underlying sickness, but a huge amount of, of morbidity, a huge amount of economic loss uh, uh, and uh, uh, problems to the the general community. So that is is very important as well, although it's 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 much less dramatic and so, and so gets less in the news. Now, what we have to combat uh, these influenzas are, 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 have been, uh, in, uh, for some time, a vaccine. But the vaccines only work against the, the virus of that year. Uh, so that, as I was saying, uh, the vaccine would not be effective against the new virus four years on, and of course would not be effective against the, the pandemic strain. So the, the vaccines are highly specific. They have to be updated uh, uh, they're up, well, the, the WHO has a committee which looks at the updating uh, year on year and they advise the pharmaceutical industry uh, when, a new, uh, when a new virus strain is around and they need to change their vaccine formulation. Uh, much more recently, uh, there are some antiviral drugs and uh, these antiviral drug, drugs, the best known of which is Tamiflu, uh, has been around and is going to be a very useful uh, addition, although uh, it's not certain how rapidly the virus will gain resistance to these drugs. All, all bugs gain resistance to drugs, uh, and there have been resistant viruses uh, to Tamiflu, which have been found already. So how long that virus that uh, drug will be effective for we really don't know so that that's really the background where what the world needs are are more weapons against influenza uh, as many as possible really and that's where we come in we've invented what we call the protecting virus as peter said in his his introduction now protecting virus is an entirely new concept it's a natural product uh, our protecting virus is a, uh, a selected natural strain, and it basically is virus, but it's virus which has lost an essential bit of its of its genetic information. So it's dead. Uh, and how it how it uh, you say you say lost? You mean you have uh, it's it, it lost and it was wandering around and lost it, or, <laughs> or, or have you okay. done something to make no. it lose? You no. you have specifically done something to to make uh, it lose that. Uh, no, we've we've specifically done nothing. What, <laughs> what we have specifically done is to select this virus. You've selected it, right? This this virus arose naturally. Right. Uh, so we we uh, we have selected this this particular virus, this this dead virus, which has lost a bit of its uh, spontaneously lost a bit of its genetic information. Uh, so it's regular virus, which is which has lost a small part of of one of its genes, as a result of which it can't multiply. But uh, the strange thing is about uh, these protecting viruses, uh, as though they're dead in the sense that they can't multiply and reproduce themselves, they have to rely on infectious virus coming along to provide the missing function. Uh, so although, although they're dead, they have this interesting uh, property of being able to protect us. Now what this means is, is that they subvert they alter the uh, the replication of normal virus. They they inhibit it, so that the virus 
only just ticks along instead of uh, bounding along and producing uh, millions of new new infectious viruses which makes us sick and maybe maybe might kill us in, in the worst case scenario uh, it damps all that down so that our own natural defenses can then take care of the infection and uh, in, the, in the best case best case scenario we uh, we don't even know we're infected. We get the infection, but uh, it's entirely subclinical, causes no symptoms at all, and uh, we recover, uh, so that the protecting virus will will pre- will prevent the infection from getting underway. Will cause it to abort. But uh, interestingly, at the same time, there's a there's an additional effect, and that is that there is as I say, a, a low-grade multiplication of the infecting virus, and uh, which our immune system deals with. But in dealing with it, it's stimulated to produce uh, the immunity that, uh, uh, that, that will protect us against any recurrence of infection by that virus. So protecting a virus both acts as an antiviral in stopping the infection, preventing the disease, preventing death, uh, but allows the immunity to develop so that we have the natural immunity, the antibodies and the, uh, the, the T-cell immunity in the respiratory tract, which will give us uh, uh, solid protection against any reinfection. So that's, that's basically how it, how it works. Okay, as, as a layman there, it seems to be two things which are important if I've understood it properly. Are you saying that if you have this protecting virus within your body, it does two things. One, it slows down any nasty non-protecting virus to the point where it causes you no harm. And then the second effect is not only does it slow down that virus to the point where it causes you no harm whatsoever, you don't even feel the effect of infection, you're also saying that quite cleverly, in a way, turns that invading virus into its own vaccine. That's, that, I couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> That's exactly right, Peter. Yeah, yeah, you, you've summarised it uh, in a nutshell. They're, they are the, the two main properties of the protecting virus. Does, it do, does this protecting virus only work against one strain of influenza uh, in the way a vaccine does, or can this work against a range of strains of influenza? Can it, does it matter what enters your body? Yeah, that's that's uh, another uh, very strong point about the protecting virus, in that it works in an entirely different way to vaccines, and uh, we predict that it should protect against all strains of influenza, influenza A, influenza. A, there, let me backtrack. There are two main types of influenza: influenza A and influenza B. The pandemic influenza is influenza A. So that's the main the main problem, and our protecting virus acts against influenza A. Are now, these seasonal flus also influenza A? The the seasonal flus are both A and B. They can be A and B. Okay, so so our protecting virus will work against the pandemic uh, A strains, and there are only A strains which cause pandemics, uh, but also the the subsequent seasonal uh, influenza which is caused by A. It, it, Probably doesn't work against B, but it certainly so works against. So some seasonal the A's. flus would be would yeah. Work against. Probably the 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 majority of seasonal flus you would be protected against. Now the uh, there are 
uh, in all 144 different sorts of flu, huge number, uh, and we can talk about where they exist normally. Uh, we have uh, we have done experiments in the laboratory, and our protecting virus protects against all the different sorts that we've tested. We haven't tested all 144, mm-hmm. but. Uh, from what we what we know about uh, the range of protection and what we know about how it protects, we predict that it will protect against all strains of influenza A. And the reason is that it, it doesn't work like a vaccine in stimulating specific immunity. Rather, it goes to the core of, of virus uh, multiplication in that it interferes with the multiplication of the virus uh, rather than through the immune response. So that the multiplication of the, of the A viruses is common throughout. Uh, the, the viruses share a common genetic uh, mechanism which allows them all to interact uh, and our virus acts at that particular point. So that's why we, we're predicting that uh, the protecting virus will be able to protect against uh, any influenza A that comes along. That sounds like an amazingly powerful technique. Can we go back to H5N1 to, uh, for our listeners? Is H5N1 an influenza A virus? H5, yes, H5N1 is an, is an influenza A virus. L- let me just fill in the, what we haven't been talking about, which is the natural reservoir of mm. influenza A viruses. Now, the uh, influenza A viruses exist in nature primarily in uh, aquatic birds, aquatic bo- birds, shorebirds, uh, and there is a natural the balance. Ducks, swans, geese. Well, yes, uh, it, it's really it's really shorebirds, birds which shore live birds. Uh, on the on the seashore. Right. Okay. So seagulls rather than. Se- yeah, seagulls, right. the, the 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 long legged birds you see right. running along the the seashore, and. Uh, the these the all, the influenza A virus all these 144 uh, different uh, uh, subtypes that I mentioned all live in these birds and they have a perfect balance there they don't cause any disease and they they just coexist and that is uh, very nice and and and, and cozy causes no problems you know, nature in perfect balance the problem comes when those viruses get out of their particular host and move into other species and we see this first when they move out into poultry into chickens ducks turkeys that sort of thing and then you start to get disease uh, and as as everyone knows from the media you get serious disease and this is where h5n1 comes in so h5n1 in its natural host the shorebird is is harmless but it has moved out of that and managed to uh, colonise uh, uh, particularly chickens in the Far East and caused huge amounts of problem. Uh, and these birds are basically controlled by slaughter. And millions of birds, uh, hundreds of millions of birds, have been, uh, have been culled uh, in order to, to try and control the, the virus and prevent it spreading throughout all the bird population. So uh, that's where H5N1 comes in. And what the concern is, of course, is should H5N1 in chickens be able to move into mammals, particularly into people, uh, then that is pandemic material. We have never had H5 in the human population. There is no immunity to H5 anywhere in in, uh, humankind. And that has the potential of causing a pandemic. 
However, the, the saving grace for all this is that the, the virus doesn't move easily from birds to people. I mean, bird, uh, birds and, and mammals are, are very different biological groups and there are very different uh, 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 host species for, uh, for the virus to be able to uh, adapt to and multiply in. So basically it takes a lot of changes in the virus, a lot of mutations for that to occur and it hasn't happened yet. What we've seen is that for a very few people, about 200 people uh, in the world, uh, again mainly in the Far East, the, they have been infected by H5N1. And these are mostly people who have who keep their own chickens. The chickens have got infected. And presumably these, these people have got a very high dose of virus from the chicken. It's managed to move into the people and in, in maybe something like half the people, it's actually killed them. Uh, but the, the, the key thing here is that the numbers are very small and the virus doesn't spread from the infected person to other people. So there's, there is no person-to-person -person spread uh, in, in this scenario. In other words, H5N1 hasn't yet learned how to spread from person to person. Yes, it can spread from chicken to chicken, but not from person to person. Uh, we don't understand what uh, this mechanism entails at all, and that's that, you know that that is a major unsolved mystery uh, for influenza virologists to get to grips with. But it is a very real phenomenon. And it is basically the thing which is uh, stopping H5N1 from becoming pandemic. So, so by itself, currently, it's a very effective killer of birds yes. when it gets into the poultry population. Yeah, absolutely. And it can, in rare cases, infect humans if you're exposed to it in a massive way. But what you're saying is it can't, and once it's infected a human, pass to another human, and that's, that's what's right. saved us yes. so far. That's, that's, that's absolutely right. Uh, so now you're going to ask me, <laughs> does, does protecting virus work against H5N1? Hmm. And, and that's an experiment or uh, something that's an experiment we need to do, but we, we, yet, we haven't yet done. But uh, in, in principle, in, from what you taught me before, if this H5N1 is just another influenza A virus, then it should work in the same way against H5N1 if... Uh, if the theory holds. That, that, that's absolutely correct. We would predict that the protecting virus would work against H5N1 uh, uh, just as it's worked against uh, 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 H1N1, H3N2, uh, H2N2 viruses that we have actually tested. There's and no reason why it shouldn't work. Uh, and are you also saying, that, if I've understood the science correctly, that the big fear, isn't it, is not if H5N1 takes hold of the population, but if H5N1 mutates uh, and borrows some material from a human influenza virus, that your technique would be particularly effective because it could cope with that mutation in its stride to your technique. It would be just another influenza virus, no matter what the mutation is. That's right, yes. It doesn't matter what the virus does. The, the virus has to replicate, and our protecting virus uh, uh, attacks that uh, replication process. So the protecting virus works against uh, all all type A influenza viruses. So that makes your technique much more effective than the vaccines that are being developed for yeah. H5N1 because it won't be H5N1 we're fighting against, it'll be H5N1 
mutated in some way, which only your protecting virus could possibly deal with. Yes, that, that, that's right. The vaccine, the, the vaccine would only be effective against the H5N1 of the day, not the H5N1 which is circulating today, not the H5N1 which is in chickens today. Uh, and the problem with the vaccine is that uh, there is a delay in, in being able to produce the vaccine uh, by the pharmaceutical industry. It then has to be distributed. It then has to be inoculated. And it takes two to three weeks even when you're inoculated for your immunity to develop to its fullest extent uh, to allow you to be protected. So a protecting virus would act instantly, would it? Yes, that is one of the key things about protecting virus. It works instantly. You, it's delivered as, a, as a, either as, as nasal drops or as a nasal spray. Uh, and it, it it, it is, as I, as I said, it is, it is virus, although it's a, a defective virus which can't multiply on its own, but it has all the properties of the, of the, the regular virus. So it goes into the same cells that uh, the, the infecting influenza uh, enters, and, but our, the protecting virus will simply go into those cells and it sits there. Uh, so it doesn't reproduce, it, sits there, it doesn't damage you in any way. It doesn't reproduce, it doesn't do anything, and it, it degrades at a, at a constant rate so that the, the period of protection uh, would, would, uh, would, uh, would eventually disappear. In experiments that, that we've done, we can show that the protection lasts uh, in excess of six weeks. Now, that's, that's, that's a pretty good period. Uh, we haven't yet done the experiments in, in, in people, and uh, this is what we're, we're aiming to do for the future, is to be able to uh, test our material in people and to see what uh, its particular parameters are in the human population. The, these things uh, uh, are, are for the future, but we hope to, to be able to get on with those uh, very quickly. Can I press you on that bit? Because yes, it does sound like great in theory. It sounds like a, a wonderful new weapon against influenza, but it is been tested to some extent in a lab. It is mostly still a theory in that you haven't tested on humans and I guess as yet have not yet had the opportunity to test it on birds. Do you think you can move quickly to uh, test its efficacy on humans and birds? Okay, there, there are two strands to this which we, we can separate out. Uh, firstly, there's the, the, the human route. Uh, now, the experiments we've done in, in, the, in the lab uh, are virtually complete and the the next move would be to uh, test protecting virus in people to test it of course for safety but it is regular influenza virus which everyone has met it's it's no different from that and we don't anticipate that there would be any problems of of toxicity it is as i've said delivered into the nose as as, as a drop in in in, in liquid form uh, and that's all there is to it uh, now, all that we need for uh, all that we need, <laughs> all that we need for for for, uh, for doing human experiments is a large amount of money, uh, and that is what we're hoping to to uh, raise in the near future, and and then to proceed with those experiments. Is that why you're going public now with this science at this stage, so as you can obtain the, the funding to move forward with this, because it is such a powerful weapon that we shouldn't really leave lying on the shelf yes that's that's absolutely right we've uh, th this is this this is not a discovery of of uh, just yesterday but of over many many years that uh, that we we have been pursuing here at warwick 
Uh, You've been working on these sorts of techniques for decades. Yes, for, for decades. Mm. The the uh, what uh, where the the breakthrough has come over the last uh, uh, few months has been to produce a protecting virus uh, with a defined uh, genetic material, so that it's it, it's sequenced. We know exactly what it is, uh, and it uh, so that we can do quality control and we have a defined product that way we can uh, opens the way to, to to manufacture on a large scale and the sort of thing which would be absolutely essential for any any uh, human pharmaceutical product uh, but we've we're running beyond now normal academic research we're moving into into uh, into a commercial area and human trials are extremely expensive. Maybe I should say at this stage when we were talking uh, a little while ago about comparing protecting virus with vaccines and, and we dealt with the downside of vaccines. Um, what what I should have said at the same time is that drugs like Tamiflu would would uh, act in concert with protecting virus. The protecting virus provides a different avenue of uh, attacking the influenza problem uh, uh, and all vaccines uh, drugs like Tamiflu and protecting virus would be seen to be part of the uh, the pantheon of of, of uh, it's another weapon. Another weapon. Another weapon. Another weapon. Absolutely not. Another weapon, absolutely, not absolutely not. But uh, we, we've we've dealt with the the good points of protecting virus. The fact that it works instantly. As far as we know, we don't get resistance to it. Uh, and, of course, you finish up with immunity where you to, to get infected. And, of course, it's, it's, it's general efficacy against all flu strains. So that's the human side. The, uh, in theory, the protecting virus should be uh, efficacious against, uh, against poultry or against the various animals. We've, we've seen H5N1 in cats. We've seen other influenza viruses in, in dogs as, as uh, recent newly discovered and infections. racehorses, you were telling me. Uh, racehorses particularly, yeah. The, uh, the racehorse uh, uh, enthusiasts will, will, uh, will know <laughs> influenza virus as a virus which uh, prevents horses from running to their full potential. Oh. And, uh, there's, uh, and, and it's been difficult to find a decent vaccine against, uh, that will protect against uh, the type of influenza virus which infects horses. Um, protecting virus, uh, uh, we, we'd like to be able to test uh, protecting virus. It should work under that scenario just as it works in, in, in other scenarios. So we don't see why there shouldn't be uh, a veterinary uh, use for protecting virus. And it may be, may prove efficacious in, uh, in, the, in those various avenues. But we, we, we have done no experiments in birds as yet. And this is, again, another area that we'd like to move into to, to test how, protecting, how good protecting virus is and how, uh, how it can be optimized in, in these various animal species, which are all uh, susceptible to influenza virus. Thank you.